everyone. Welcome back to Fabulist. Hi, I'm Elizabeth Taylor. And I'm Shannon Payne. Woof. And we are marching. Absolutely. We are in March, doing March. All of the March things. Stopping with the Januaries and the Februaries. Those are over. Done. We've forgotten about the hellscape that is snow. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Maybe. I might. Ugh. I don't know. I feel like I just jinxed this. I think you probably did. Fuck. Now it's going to snow in oh April. Oh my God. It snows on my birthday. I swear. I can't. <laughs> I don't think I can handle it anymore. Oh my goodness. Ugh. But we're going to get into some festive. Well, fest. Yours is kind of festive. Mine's kind of festive. Um, it's very uh, different aspects of Darby O'Gill and the Little People. Mm, yeah. Um, but no talking about what's the name of the super hot guy who would grow um, oh, Sean Connery. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's not either of our topics, unfortunately. Unfortunately, not. Uh, this is more of an um, Americanized St. Patrick's Day, but they are very Irish. Um, folk tales topics. Yes. So even though the Irish people might not celebrate with these things as much as we do, right? <laughs> they're still very much part of their folklore. Yes. So I'm going to talk about leprechauns. And then I will talk about banshees. <laughs> Let's do it. Love it. A leprechaun yes. is a little man in a hat and a coat who causes mischief. I just, I have to stop there. I want to I'm small already. Can I just do this? There's on, there's only boy leprechauns. Fuck. I know. Isn't that crazy? That just feels... I think I need to speak to somebody. One guy suggested that they were um, some type of fairy who resisted their mother's entreaties to get a wife. Mm, okay. And are living as happily mischievous bachelors. <sighs> I don't want to be a happy mischievous bachelor. <laughs> Sounds pretty great. <laughs> I'll, I'll take it up with someone else later. We'll get back into it. <laughs> um, they might make shoes and mm. keep a hidden pot of gold at the end of a rainbow. Mm-hmm. Uh, John O'Donovan's supplement to O'Reilly's Irish English Dictionary defines a leprechaun <laughs> as a sprite, a pygmy, a fairy of a diminutive size. Those are all you. They absolutely are. Who always carries a purse containing a shilling. Done. Done. It is Easy. a Shannon. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> the word leprechaun might come from the Greek word for small and the Latin word for body or from the word luprechai in the Roman festival um, Lupercaia. Okay. This is an offshoot, but I can't help it. <laughs> That's fair. I love it. Because I like wolf stories. <laughs> it's a wolf story? Just for a second. Oh, shit. <laughs> so it's a wolf side quest. Love this. <laughs> Lupercaia was a festival that took place on February 15th in ancient Rome to purify the city. The festival was originally called Februa after the Februm. Uh, which you which was used on the day in the pur- purification process. Lupercaia may also have some connection to the Arcadian Lycaia, um, a wolf festival. Okay. The rites of the festival took place in the Luperal cave where Romulus and Remus were suckled by the she-wolf, she-wolf Lupa in the foundation myth of the city of Rome. So leprechauns get their name, maybe, from an ancient festival for spring cleaning wolves. Beautiful. (laughs) They don't, but I I couldn't help it. Couldn't help it. (laughs) That had to happen. (laughs) Um, The first record of the 
word in English was in Decker's comedy entitled The Honest Whore Part Two. Beautiful. <laughs> in 1604. <laughs> I read the line containing the word and it meant zero things to me. Okay. So. That's fair. But the name of the place rad. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Folk etymology says the name comes from lathe or half and brog or brogue, which is a shoe. Okay. Because leprechauns are often depicted working on a single shoe. Yeah. So it's either because of their shoe thing or because they're little. Oh. <laughs> the first story about the little green fellas is from Ectra Fergus MacLetty. Okay. Or Adventures of Fergus, Son of Letty. Beautiful. There are two versions of this account. One from the 7th and 8th centuries and one from the 13th that I feel compelled to tell you was a burlesque. <laughs> of course it was. <laughs> yes. And they had to make it more dramatic. So there's like a leprechaun king involved. Oh, okay. There's several other things going oh. on. Wow. <laughs> this is a whole thing. <laughs> Good Lord. <laughs> okay. So in the original story, <laughs> Fergus, the king of Ulster, falls asleep on the beach mm -hmm. and wakes up to find his sword has been stolen and he's being dragged into the sea by three leprechauns. Ooh. As they drag him into the water, the shocking cold wakes him up and he catches them. Desperate to escape, the leprechauns agree to grant him three wishes in exchange for their release. Okay. One of Fergus's wish wishes is to breathe underwater. They grant his wish and give him the ability to breathe underwater by either like a gillyweed situation, stuffing okay. magical herbs in his ears. Oh. Or wrapping a waterproof tunic over his head. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. Doesn't feel weird at all. No, not at all. The only stipulation is that Fergus will not be able to use his new power in Loch Rudridge. Okay. They were like, don't go there. That's the one place. Right. When Fergus goes to Loch Rudridge to do literally exactly what the leprechauns told him not to do, he immediately encounters a sea monster. <gasps> Murdress is a big jellyfishy thing that inflates Ooh. and deflates like a bellows. Spooky. Yeah. Ah. Fergus is so frightened. <laughs> Sorry. That <laughs> <laughs> his mouth turns back to the back of his head and he flees the lock. Oh his my. mouth like runs Just away. Whoop. But he doesn't notice. No. Oh. When he gets home, everyone decides his new disfigurement makes him unable to rule as king. Of course. But he doesn't seem to be aware of it, and they don't want him to find out. Oh. They low-key unking him because he's too ugly. Ooh. Only send nobles to visit him who will keep up the ruse and cover all of the mirrors. Oh, I was about to say, does he not have a mirror? <laughs> and is he not, like, curious about why they're being covered Does up? he have any idea why he has to put a spoon to the back of his head? Right. And he doesn't catch on. Mm, okay. Weirdly, his plan works pretty well for the next seven years. Ah. He just doesn't grasp it. Oh, my God. Fergie blows it when he beats an enslaved noblewoman with a whip for washing his hair too slowly. It's probably oh tricky. His mouth is back there. All right. Uh, she makes fun of his dumb backwards mouth because he's being horrible. Of course. Um, spilling the beans and enraging Fergie. He solves these two problems by cutting the woman in half and mm. returning to Loch Rudrig. Rudrige. Looks like road rage a oh, little. That does sound, yeah. To slay the monster Mirdris for turning his face backwards or just his mouth. <laughs> 
They fight each other for two days until the lock is roiling and colored with red with blood. Ooh. King Fergus emerges victorious for a quick sec, then proceeds to die from exhaustion. Makes sense. It's very good. Very I good. like that. So that's the first story involving leprechauns. Oh, my God. <laughs> Intense. This part is about leprechauns and fairies. Oh. Leprechauns are thought to be a type of fairy. Okay. About two or three feet tall, living in underground caves or hollow tree trunks. Which is so cute. Oh, I love it. Uh, they run around causing so much mischief that they can often be found repairing or cobbling their worn out shoes. Because they're so Little. naughty. <laughs> William Butler Yeats classified the leprechaun as a solitary fairy, not to be confused with the fairies who live in fairy mounds and communities and can steal your babies. Okay. They're pranksters for sure, but they don't get carried away like the other fairies do. Mm. David Russell McNally, McNally, Dave. Huh. Mm said that the leprechaun is the son of an evil spirit and a degenerate fairy, not wholly good nor wholly evil. Oh. They're solidly chaotic neutral. Beautiful. Free spirits who follow their hearts, shirk tradition and rules, and place their freedom over everything else. Good and evil come second to their need to be free. For the dungeon masters out there, uh, the fifth edition SRD sides with me on this. And it also says that leprechauns have plus two charisma <laughs> and plus one dexterity. Makes sense. Making them charming little pickpockets. Absolutely. <laughs> Yates said that their pots of gold or treasure crocs were buried in the ground during wartime and later discovered and collected by the leprechauns. Oh. So an invading force, probably British, mm. buried their gold and the leprechauns were like, yoink. My. Is yoink. It's from Simpsons, isn't I it? I think so. <laughs> I think that's right. Oh, I can't believe I did the Simpsons Oh, joke. no. Um, the wee folk may be descendants of the Tuat de Danan. Danan. I'm going to talk about them. I don't remember which side the emphasis is on. Danan? I can tell you. Hang on. Mm. Did you write down a, a thing? I wrote down how to say it. Tua Dunan. Dunan. I, um, to remember how to say Tua, I wrote too hot. <laughs> I actually came across a website that just told me how to say it. And I was like, thank fuck. Right. But mm. I just forgot the Danan part. Danan. Yeah, Danan. Um, the folk goddess Danu. Um, oh, sorry. The folk of the goddess Danu is what that means. Um, so they're kings, queens, druids, bards, warriors, heroes, healers, and craftsmen of a supernatural race. The Tuat de Danan, from the old Irish Tuat, meaning tribe, folk, or people, and De, the genitive case of Dia, meaning god, gods, or goddesses. Um so basically tribe of gods, mm -hmm. which is very cool. Yeah. Um, they were supernatural beings who were worshipped by ancient Celtic people. The Tuatha were written about by Christians who described them as fallen angels, neither good nor evil, or ancient people who were highly skilled in magic. They evolved into the um, Aishi. Some people said Aishi. Okay. Um, the people of the mounds. Yeah. The fairies. Yes. Um, and I thought it was very interesting that they were described in the same way that the leprechauns were described, neither good nor evil, mm -hmm. which is, uh, makes sense. They'd be part of the same lineage. Right. So, Shannon, is the luckiest color green? Has to be. Or is it red? Oh. Mm -hmm. 
We always imagine the fairy can in suits of green, but for most of their history, leprechauns were thought to dress in red. Interesting. Right. Yates actually said that solitary fairies like leprechauns wear red, whereas the trooping fairies wear green. Okay. So I guess there could be a green leprechaun if he made friends with other fairies, <laughs> started to hang out with them. Right. McAnally, um, Dave from before, uh-huh. described them like this. He is about three feet high and is dressed in a little red jacket or roundabout with red breeches buckled at the knee, hmm. gray or black stockings, and a hat cocked in the style of a century um, a century ago over a little old withered face. Oh. Around uh, his neck is an Elizabethan ruff and frills of lace are at his wrists. On the wild west coast, where the Atlantic winds bring almost constant rains, he dispenses with ruff and frills and wears a frieze overcoat over his pretty red suit. So that, unless on the lookout for the cocked hat, you may pass a leprechaun on the road and never know that it's himself at all. Okay. <laughs> so, um, and they can look different in the different areas they're from. Yeah. Northern leprechauns, or they all have kind of different names too, lawyermen. Wear a military red coat and white breeches oh. with a broad-brimmed, high-pointed hat on which he would sometimes stand upside down. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> wow. In Tipperary, the Lurgadwin <laughs> wear an, were an antique-slashed jacket of red with peaks all around and a jockey cap, like a horse jockey. Yeah. Also sporting a sword, which he uses as a magic wand. Oh, my God. Why not? I love it. And Carrie, the Lurkwain, are fat, pursy little fellows whose jolly round faces <laughs> rival in redness the cutaway jacket he wears um, that always has seven rows of seven buttons in each row. Oh, my God. And so many buttons. That's so... <laughs> Wow, that would take forever. <laughs> but they're never buttoned up. Okay. It's just like a loose jacket with so many buttons over here. I kind of want to try this out now. <laughs> see if it makes a statement that works. Right? Mm. The Chloroquine of Monaghan wore a swallow-tailed evening coat of red Ooh. with green vest, white breeches, black stockings, shiny shoes, and a long cone hat with a brim. I'm sorry, without a brim, like a dunce cap. Yeah. Sometimes used as a weapon. Ooh. Oh, my God. So that's what they look like. Different for different weather and areas. I like it. Um, in red. I'm not in green. Red. Um, Mine just blown. They talk about why we might imagine them in shoes with buckles or top hat-like hats. And it's basically because of the way that Britain... Uh, befriends mm, mm. interacts ah. with ireland mm-hmm. um they sometimes will have fashion that's outdated yeah so elizabethan fashion that's very long out of style would be what these guys would be wandering about the woods in okay little tiny buckle shoes yes like pilgrims of course <laughs> <laughs> What else could it be? So how do you catch a leprechaun? Well, that's the real question. It is very important to know. Yes. You should listen for the sound of their little hammers making shoes. (laughs) Because it's easier to catch them when they're distracted and occupied with their work. Makes perfect sense. Word on the street is they also like to dance jigs. 
I love it. So See, I meant to be a leprechaun. <laughs> God. So it's mostly easy to catch them when they're distracted with whatever fun thing they're doing or fixing. Okay. But you can also set a trap. Oh, really? It's like um, like an elf on the shelf thing. Like oh. Parents will set, they like, they make a trap out of a shoebox and then they'll do like little green footprints throughout their house. Oh my God. Yeah. And the kids get, sometimes they get pranked, but they always get chocolate and gold. Okay. Okay. And that's why we're never having kids. Mm, no. Not <laughs> worth I, it. I don't want to do that. First of all, I can't even remember how many holidays we have where you have to do something while your children are sleeping. I just can't. I cannot. Isn't that supposed to be the time when they finally live their lives? Right. Why would you do more stuff for your kids? Oh, my God. <laughs> that seems like too much. It really does. <laughs> Insanity. The last way to find a leprechaun is to... Find his pot of gold at the end of a rainbow. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but you can't ever get to the end of a rainbow because science. Science ruins it all. I mean, it doesn't, <laughs> but it does. <laughs> uh, rainbows are formed by raindrops that act like prisms. So they split the light into the bands of color because they're full of water. Okay. Um, your ability to see the rainbow changes based on the angle of the raindrops and where you view them from. So as you head toward the end of a rainbow, your angle and view changes, but the prisms or raindrops have to be like a certain distance away from your eyes for you to see the split light. Mm -hmm. So no matter how you chase it, you'll always be the same distance away from the rainbow. <sighs> Just running Endless circles. Right. This Until the rain stops or the water's gone and, mm -hmm. and then the rainbow is gone. And you missed it. <laughs> there goes like <laughs> that was like the perfect get rich fast scheme. Like, yes. And now it's it's just dashed. But don't be like in Darby O'Gill and the little people. The is he the grandpa? Yeah. The the guy who's not Sean Connery gets in trouble with the leprechaun king because he tricks him into making more than three wishes. Oh, yeah. So you have, they're so sneaky. You have to be careful. That's true. Because they'll do anything it takes to get away from you. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So that's all the cool things about leprechauns. I'm sure there's a lot more cool things about rainbows. I'm sure there's a bunch. <laughs> Also, if you're playing trivia anytime soon mm -hmm. and they ask you what gift you get from the Blarney Stone in Ireland, it's not luck. Oh. It's the gift of gab. That's right. And uh, I missed that question twice in a row. Oof. So hold that in your hearts because losing hurts a lot. It sure does. And I don't like Especially doing when it. you're so sure you're right. And then. Right. Mm. Luck, probably. Yeah. Or a cold sore. <laughs> Maybe that. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, uh, that's it. That's that's leprechauns. I love it. Are we uh, ready to get into a similarly Irish themed things? The scary part? Yeah. Let's do it. Let's do it. I I was reading into it and I was like, do I want to see a banshee? No. Mm, not right now. <laughs> and we'll talk about why. It doesn't mean you're going to die, doesn't it? Yeah. Have you, have I told you about those books I've read by, I think her name's Molly Harper. They're all about uh, like... This one specific isn't there. The Mystic Bayou books. Oh. There's like supernatural people on the earth. I feel like you might have mentioned this, but I've forgotten entirely about it. They're cutie patootie oh romance novels. Okay. They're very funny. I think and you're going to need to send me a link to it. 
And there's one with a banshee in it that's called Always Be My Banshee. Shut up. <laughs> Goodness. A farewell to Charms. They're very punny oh names. Oh, my God. They're great. I'm on board. <laughs> I'm 100% sold. Okay. For this whole thing, we're not going to delve too deep, but I did want to talk about um, why they're notoriously notoriously linked with death. Stories of people who've been visited by them. Um and why you and I probably won't see one, because we won't. Um, <laughs> let's get into their description. So I think a lot of us have a vision in our head of what exactly a banshee looks like. But it may come as a bit of a surprise that your version might not be the same as someone else's. Oh. Yeah. And that's because the accounts through the years are varied. They are wildly different. In one version, she's an old lady, skin wrinkled and practically falling off of her bones. She's crouching low and wearing a gray or white dress. In another story, she's a beautiful young woman with long red hair ready to enchant you one moment and inspire fear the next. Another account regales us yet again with the tale of an old woman, but this time with eyes the brightest color of red, swollen with tears from her cries of anguish. Green, oh. just, green dress worn in perfect contrast. Oh, I know. The descriptions go on and on. Um, there's like a half woman carrying a bowl of blood, a woman dressed in all black, including a veil, so you can't really see her. It's just, there's so many of them. But across them all, two things really seem to pretty consistently stay the same. One is the long hair. So she's often seen and described as brushing her long, sometimes luscious locks with a comb. The second common denominator, her piercing, shrill cry. Oof. Yeah. That one might just make the blood freeze in your veins. The screaming, the wailing, the cry of the banshee that I myself have been teased with in my own youth because sometimes rides are scary and so are car washes and so are vacuums. <laughs> <laughs> this is why I don't have kids. <laughs> I would get one the same as me. I can't believe my parents survived me. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> The screaming is most prominent because in the lore of the Banshee, it might just play the most important part. In the legends of Irish culture, the Banshee is a fairy, kind of like the leprechauns. Love them. Or even sometimes it's a disembodied spirit, which gives more credence to the idea that she doesn't have a truly solidified physical description. She is said to be the harbinger of death, with her shrieks also called Kaowin, or it also means keening. Oh, I know that word. Yes. And she shoulders the responsibility to forewarn the imminent death in the families of those who hear it. Imminent in the broadest of terms, of course. Some accounts say that the death of a family member happened the very night that her cries were heard. Um, and very few times is it actually accounted that she comes during the day. It's pretty much always at night. So that person would be completely healthy one day, and then that night they're struck down by some sudden ailment. I would imagine it's difficult to see a disembodied thing in the day. Yeah, I could make... Mm. And you're just distracted. Yeah. I bet if ghosts were about in the daytime, I'd honestly not notice. Right. I've got a headphone in. Uh-huh. Walter's little clicky-clocky clouds are all over the floor. Right. I wouldn't notice. Absolutely I'd not. miss the whole thing. 100%. Then get spooked the shit out of me as soon as the sun goes down. Yes. 100%. 
others account that they heard her cries for several nights and then a family member was struck down days or even weeks after that. Mm. So it could be immediately, it could be later. You just don't really know. I don't want to wait in dread. Right? That sounds miserable. No. Oof. We have birds coming back. Not every account describes her as a woman. So <laughs> just like last episode, we talked about birds making an un... Like... A weird entrance. There just, as well. Men. What's scarier than women? Birds, birds probably. Birds, Make it a for bird sure. girl. That'll bird be the girl. scariest. Yep. So <laughs> she's described in some things as a crow. Like she has very crow-like features about Ooh. her. Yeah. She sounds regal She fuck. sounds so fucking regal. I, mean, <laughs> I hope maybe she brings along a little shiny gift with her. Ooh. <laughs> Um, sometimes she's also portrayed as a hare, sometimes as a weasel. It's okay. Yeah. Hmm. Sounds misogynistic to me, honestly. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I'm taking it. Yes. <laughs> the crow adaptation really is the one that takes off with the added description of the sound of fluttering wings sounding as the predecessor to her cries. Oh, it would be nice to have a little warning. It would. Just a little whoop. And now you have a loud noise to prep for. Yes. 100% I need that in my life. And the noise is, there it is. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. (gasps) Okay, I'm coming back. Okay. So some stories say that every family has its own banshee. Oh. Yeah. That's a lot. But that's probably an overgeneralization. See, me, Shannon Payne, right? (laughs) The person with, like, the most Irish name. It is. Like, I have an Irish name. But I likely will not have a banshee to call my own. Oh. And why not? It turns out that I wasn't blessed with a correct Irish surname. Is this Ellis Island's fault? (laughs) I think so. (laughs) I think so. According to most of the legends, the only Irish families to boast the inclusion of a banshee screaming through their halls are those with the last names with an O or a Mick or Mac. So like O'Fallon. So unless unbeknownst to myself, my name is actually Shannon McPayne. I'm really out of luck on this one. Or O'Payne. Or O'Payne. Ooh, that one. Ooh. So, so sounds really stereotypical of, of those banshees. It really does. It really, really does. So that's kind of what they look like. That's where what they sound like all across the board. Let's get into some origin stories because we can't help ourselves. I love a good orange orange story. <laughs> I don't know a lot of those, but I bet I like them. (laughs) But I like those too. (laughs) Okay, so where does this all begin? Some tales recount a woman who died suddenly and far too early in life. Others say she was a mother whose baby was taken for her, taken from her before she lost her own life. Typically in these kinds of stories, she's two sides of a mythical coin. She's either kind and benevolent, beautiful, and singing a cry that is said to be filled with genuine love and concern for the person whose death she is declaring. Or she is evil and hostile, hating the family whose loss she is warning, a distorted and terrifying apparition that takes pleasure in announcing the death and loss that is to come. Sounds like if you're well adjusted, you'll see a nice banshee. <laughs> but if you're not doing so great, you'll get the scary one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if 
everybody needs a nice banshee. It's a sad person. Right. Jeepers. Goodness. <laughs> but such is life. Mm-hmm. I know my fate. Another origin story is one that you also kind of touched on. So the Tua de Danon. Dunan. I'm still going to butcher it. So Irish lore describes these tribes of the gods that you talked about before. Stories on how they actually found their way into the Irish nation are varied. Some say that they flew in like a mist from the north. Others say they sailed in on boats from the south. Even more stories say that these guys are actually aliens. I got so carried away with them yep. because they bring four gifts mm-hmm. and they have to do with those Sarah J. Moss books that are all getting connected mm-hmm. to each other. Yep. And I was like, the sword of light. Yes. So I had to, I had to click away. That's fair. I kind of, I got into it. I cut it down. I cut it down a lot. Cause it's cool. It is really cool. It's super, super cool. Whatever the truth may be, once they arrived, they stayed in Ireland for over 4,000 years. Over the millennia, they got into scuffles with groups like the Fearbulgs, the Fomorians, and the Milesians, all ancient races that at some point made their way through Ireland. So, it's the Milesians that we'll talk a little bit more about. They are... I don't know where I was going with this. Sorry, Ben, I'm starting over. There were three versions of their story with the Tua de Dunan. It's really tough. The tribe of gods. The tribe of gods. That's what I'm going to say from now on. So there are three versions. One, the Melissians ultimately defeat them. Doesn't bear much relevance to our Banshee story. Maybe it does, maybe it doesn't, but that's that one kind of cuts off. But there are two other stories without conflict. One where the 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 tribe of the gods hear word that the Melissians are going to attack and retreat to hide in the hills. And one where the two groups live peacefully and simply expand into the surrounding hills. Either way, with these versions of the story, the Thua de Dunan build kingdoms under the hills of Ireland. From this day, they began to be referred to as, like you said, people of the fairy mounds. Maybe the sorrow of potentially being forced to hide away underground has them crying, but it all comes together when we realize that the word banshee translates to woman of the hills and woman of the fairies, depending on the etymology branch you follow. Very cool. Right? So I found a quote. I I went everywhere and there's some interesting stuff. This website was ConnollyCove.com. And here's a quote from them. In the Middle Ages, some Irish people truly believed in the presence of such creatures who were thought to watch over the noble families of the Emerald Isle. A banshee fairy would stay close to each family until all of its members passed away and were safely buried. It was believed that the Banshee protected the descendants of the original Molesian families, which may contradict their connection to the Tua de Dan and maybe not. It was an interesting read. Mm-hmm, I liked yeah, it. Yeah, it was yeah. fun. The next origin story comes in the form of Keeners. You gotta love a Keener. You gotta love a Keener. <laughs> so this one we jump back into the medieval times. The word to learn today is keener, and it sounds familiar already, but what did this role really mean? Many cultures didn't truly understand it for what it really was when they looked at it from an outside perspective, as we do when we have our own lens that we look at things which clouds what it is. All they saw was wild, unkempt women, quote, wailing at a graveside. Those who didn't share a Gaelic background and heritage didn't understand these acts for what they were supposed to be. The likely truth behind the role feels much more beautiful to me. I actually really like it. And it feels really like just integral to 
their culture as a whole. Painting was a practice that found its roots in Gaelic art and music tradition, and it was purposeful. Keening has roots in the Gaelic word, and I'm going to butcher it, Keowenade, that's how we're going to say it, which translates to crying. Keening women were paying their respects and demonstrating grief in raw form on behalf of the mourning family and the dead. Some parts were spontaneous, some were scripted with rhythmic chanting of words and song and banging on the coffin along with spontaneous singing and crying. If done correctly, if done correctly, a keening would never be the same twice. Wow. Yeah. So I've I found so many random sites. At keeningwake.com, I found mm. this quote. It was really interesting to me too. Keening was an integral part of the whole process of undertaking and was performed either at the wake, funeral procession, or internment. It was a skilled ritual art form at the meeting point between life and death and received due respect, including payment. Keeners were generally experienced older, older women. Many believed the act of keening enabled the deceased soul to leave the body and that keening was required, thus giving the role huge importance. This is a thing that's in lots of different cultures. Yes, we've too. talked about it so many times. In a lot of Asian cultures, when yeah. they like pay professional mourners to cry loudly. Yeah, and I think um, Indigenous American throat singers, yeah. will also have like a mourning cel- like ceremony that they do. Right. It's kind of, it's really beautiful. I like it to sing someone away. Absolutely, it's really really lovely to sing them through the transition. So these women were also highly sought after, and if you were good at what you did, there was very likely a good chance that you were going to be making some really good money. People of the highest of society would pay quite the pretty penny for a keener that was good at what they did. Um, And it made sense because if you had a bunch of people crying around you, it meant that you were probably someone who was really important and big and loved and all Mm -hmm. of the things. And I would want my loved one to get a special Absolutely. cry song. Right? I loved it. I I like the Keener mm-hmm. origin story. That's, I think, my favorite one that I found. I think if it's not your loved one and you live close to a cemetery, maybe it stops uh, being so endearing to you. Right. Um, but, but, you know, but to be in the experience of mourning is different than other experiences. Absolutely. Okay. We got through the origin stories. The last thing I want to talk about are Banshee accounts. Oh, good. Yes, because of course we have to go through them. Um, The first Banshee account that was really documented was experienced by a woman named Lady Anne Fanshaw while she was visiting her friend. While the exact year of the incident wasn't documented, Lady Fanshaw lived from the years of 1625 to 1676, with the quote that I'm about to read of hers being published in her memoir. So here's what she has to say. There we stayed three nights, the first of which I was surprised by being laid in a chamber when, about one o'clock, I heard a voice that wakened me. I drew the curtain, and in the casement of the window, I saw, by the light of the moon, a woman leaning into the window, through the casement, in white, right? With red hair and pale and ghastly complexion. She spoke loud and in a tone I had never heard thrice. A horse, and then with a sigh more like the wind, than breath she vanished, and to me her body looked more like a thick cloud than substance. I was so much frightened that my hair stood on end and my nightclothes fell off. <laughs> <laughs> That's 
time I get scared. My hair so mad and my night clothes fell off. <laughs> it's so dramatic and I love it. <laughs> they fell they right off. They just fell right off. I, I don't know what scared happened. scared naked. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> I... <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm going. <laughs> I pulled and pinched your father, who never woke during the disorder I was in. <laughs> he would have if he knew she was in the nude. Oh, right. <laughs> My God. <laughs> but at last, was much surprised to see me in this fright, and more so when I related the story and showed him the window opened. Neither of us slept any more that night, but he entertained me with telling me how much more these apparitions were usual in this country than in England. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that was immature. This, this is really, I love this whole account. It made me laugh the entire my time. My hair stood on head and my nightclothes my fell off. fell off. Were <laughs> they like a button-up situation? Did she have to pull them over her head? I know a lot of them had very loose necks mm. and they would tie them with a bow. Okay. So I wonder if her drawstring came Just undone. Just kind of came undone. But they fell off. They fell right off. <laughs> they fell right off. About five o'clock, the lady of the house came to see us, saying she had not been in bed all night because a cousin, O'Brien, of hers, whose ancestors had owned that house, had desired her to stay with him in his chamber, and that he died at two o'clock. And she said, I wish you to have had no disturbance, for tis the custom of the place that when any of the family are dying, the shape of a woman appears in the window every night till they be dead. That's a thing you could have left a note about. Absolutely. Wi-Fi password. Look out for the lady screaming in the window. Right. That's important mm -hmm. guest Here. stuff. Easy note. Yeah. Easy note, really. Yeah, yeah. This Clean woman, towels. Yeah. Mm. That's all, really. That's all, really. <laughs> this woman was many ages ago got with child, but the owner of this place who murdered her in his garden and flung her into the river under the window... But truly, I thought not of it when I lodged you here, it being the best room in the house. Apart from the whole screaming lady thing. Apart from the whole thing. screaming lady thing. I mean, how often are people dying there? Probably not that Probably often. Probably not super often. Once annually. Right. I don't know. Mm. People used to die a lot more, I feel like. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. She finishes by saying we made little reply to her speech, but disposed ourselves to be gone suddenly. Because her night clothes were off. Yeah. No, it was. She probably put them back on before the morning. Maybe. After her husband entertained her. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you set me up. <laughs> There's no way I was getting through that. Absolutely. <laughs> my hair stood on end and my night clothes fell off. And then my husband entertained me. <laughs> Goodness. <laughs> First account. Mm, that's so great. I'm going to give you guys one more account and then we'll be done with it. Mm -hmm. So, sitting on the shore of the largest lake in Ireland, Shane's Castle was granted back to one of Ireland's big families, the O'Neill family. O'Neill. Mm, worthy in, of a banshee. Mm, yeah. In 1607. The story goes that the banshee that guards over this castle was sent there in more of an act of revenge. One of the earliest O'Neills in the castle was coming home from a raid one day and came across a cow stuck in a hawthorn tree on his property. This is significant because... <laughs> a cow stuck in a tree. A cow stuck in a tree. Maybe he's like wedged in one of those V trees. I think that's probably what's happening. Because <laughs> I don't imagine he's up there. 
How did you do it? He couldn't be. No way. It's like a bushy tree. Right. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Uh Uh-huh. So this is significant because hawthorn trees are considered to be sacred, especially to the fairy communities. Uh Mm-hmm. So once the cow got stuck, they pretty much came to the conclusion that the cow was now theirs and the O'Neills needed to keep their hands off. But this particular O'Neill apparently never got that memo and helped the cow free. The man continued on his way, and when he made it home, he made a terrible discovery. His daughter had been taken by the fairy folk to the bottom of the lake as penance for his perceived thievery. Oh, no. Yeah. His daughter was allowed to return to the castle to tell her father that she was safe in the fairy kingdom, but on one condition. The only way she would ever be allowed to return back to her family's home was to warn of the impending death of any family member that would reside there going forward, and her only communication could be in the form of keening. I mean, a leprechaun would never. Absolutely not. They're not children stealers. No. Wow. I think Hawthorns, aren't they some kind of poisonous? I think so. We read something about how they're in cemeteries. Yeah. Um, Banshees are deeper than I thought. Yeah, right? I like it. I was... I was intrigued. I, 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 I thought this was kind of fun. It was, yeah. I was expecting this to be like, I was going to give you guys a short, like, five-minute thing. And then I was like, oh, there's That's quite a good. bit on this. Yeah. So Taylor is rolling his eyes right now because he's like, you do not like sounds. I like the idea of it, baby. Yeah. The mm-hmm, idea mm-hmm, of it mm-hmm. is really nice. It's romantic. Right. In a dead way. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I need my to be prepared stood on it in my head clothes. Funny. <laughs> That's very funny. It was very good. I laughed. I laughed a lot when I read it. <laughs> it was a good story, which is why I had to quote it. I, I had to quote that story. It's I could so not good. just, like, summarize it. That was a must. Oh, my gosh. That's a great tale to Absolutely. tell. Leprechauns and banshees getting wow. us in the mood for A green March. beer. Uh, oof. Yeah. And maybe feeling not very good. Everybody yeah. have a liquid IV mm-hmm. and and re- a really good weekend. And lots of anise. <laughs> yes, lots of anise. <laughs> and let's do this again sometime. Say hi to your mom for me. Bye.